listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. shared with first service you know when I first started in ministry I was you know really naive about a lot of things I'm still naive about a lot of things but uh, I've learned a lot you know and one of the things that I had to learn was I kind of went into ministry with kind of this mindset that you would preach on a topic you know say you know forgiveness and you would just kind of assume that all you would need to do is just one sermon one time in the life of that church and then you would just kind of move on to other topics because in my thinking, I'm thinking, man, there's a lot to talk about in here. And so uh, I, you know, would maybe teach a sermon uh, on forgiveness and then kind of think, okay, that's done, and then move on to the next subject. And then, you know, I would go maybe, you know, a year or two and not really preach on the issue of forgiveness and then find that there's people in my congregation that were struggling with unforgiveness. And, I'm, and in my thinking, I'm kind of like, we talked about that. We dealt with that. I mean, that, that, we did that a couple of years ago. And what I really kind of came to understand was there are just certain topics you just have to go back and you just got to touch on every so often. Because there's some of you that are here that wouldn't have been here maybe when I did that. Or I think probably maybe even more accurately is a lot of times when we listen to sermons, I think we tend to take more from them when we're dealing with that particular issue. So if you're in a place and maybe you're kind of dealing with unforgiveness and bitterness, and all of a sudden the topic of that day is unforgiveness, and you kind of find yourself in the midst of struggling with that, all of a sudden it's kind of like, wow, this message, it's for me. This is, you know, God is talking to me. Other Sundays when, when maybe they're talking on something and you're maybe not wrestling or struggling in that area, you know, you kind of maybe just put it in neutral. You know, you just kind of go through the service and you kind of think, oh, that's, that was good, that was fine, but it really wasn't applicable. And so again, maybe some of you are here this morning, you've, you've, you've heard sermons on forgiveness, but maybe this morning what's a little different for you is maybe you're in a place right now and you're struggling uh, with this uh, need to forgive somebody, and so all of a sudden, a sermon like today can really kind of take on uh, just kind of a heightened sense of importance in that Wow, I'm really struggling in this particular area. Because oftentimes when I'm preaching on a, on a Sunday morning, I'm also really very, very aware of the Holy Spirit. You know, how is the Holy Spirit moving in a congregation? And last Sunday, particularly during the first service, I felt a very, very strong sense that there were people last week that were really dealing with with some bitterness, and there was a spirit of unforgiveness um, that just seemed to kind of, God just kind of seemed to heighten that sense to me. And so I didn't know last Sunday what I was going to be preaching on this Sunday, and just immediately felt like we got to come back on to this spirit, uh, this topic of unforgiveness, because there are people here that I felt like were dealing with a spirit of unforgiveness or bitterness. The other thing that I really kind of deeply discerned was that there were some individuals who were dealing with sickness and disease, and the root of that was unforgiveness. Now, I'm not saying that all sickness and disease is the result of unforgiveness, but what I am saying is that that can sometimes be the way 
unforgiveness and bitterness will manifest itself in our bodies uh, is through sickness and disease. I've actually heard testimonies of, of individuals who have been at stage four cancer. Uh, and doctors have just said, there's nothing more that we can do for you. And the people, you know, uh, go, go to a church or they hear a message or they read a book on forgiveness and they're, they're able to forgive and all of a sudden the cancer um, is gone. So again, I'm not saying that, you know, if you have unforgiveness, you're going to get cancer, please. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that oftentimes one of those byproducts of bitterness and unforgiveness, one of the ways it'll kind of just reveal itself uh, in your outward body over time is through sickness and disease. And so it's just one of those topics that, that I've learned in ministry. You just got to come back uh, and, and talk about this. Uh, just, you know, probably yearly, if, if, not, if not more often. The other thing I want to say about this, and I had somebody come up to me after first service and said, Oh, pastor, you forgot to say this. I just looked at him and said, there's a lot of things I forgot to say about forgiveness. This is not a topic that I can sit here and cram everything that needs or should be said in a 45-minute um, sermon. We could be here all day. I didn't even get through my stack of notes this morning. So I said to them, I'm sure it was in there, um, but I don't always get to everything that I have in here. So I'm just going to say to you this morning, they're going to probably be some things I should have said, could have said, that I just didn't get to. And you're thinking, well, why waste the time telling us that? Why don't you just use that time that you just used to tell us what we need to or what you didn't get to tell us? And uh, So it just gets exhausting sometimes when you're trying to uh, tackle a topic like that and uh, somebody thinks you need to kind of have the entire exhaustive uh, thing on forgiveness. So I'm just here to tell you there's some things that you'll probably want to hear, need to hear, that I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit on that one. Uh, he'll fill in the gaps. He'll help you kind of connect the dots. And I'm going to pray for that uh, for you when we get to the end of that this morning. Now, there are basically two sides to forgiveness. There is receiving forgiveness, and there's also extending or giving forgiveness. Both of them are I mean, one is just as important as the other, okay? You cannot have one without the other. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14, 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, or that word may be debts or sin in your translation, it says your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their debts, their trespasses, their sins, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses, so we see again, as Jesus points out, there is kind of this interconnectedness of both receiving and extending or giving forgiveness. You have to have both. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. What is forgiveness? And why is it so important in order to have healthy relationships with God, with ourselves, and with others? The word forgive literally means to let go of, to release, or to send away. Forgiveness is kind of when you release or you kind of just give to God. Um, if it's the individual, it may be the individual and the deeds that they did to hurt you or to wrong you or to damage you in any way. It's just where you take all of that, that person, the deeds, and you just release it, you kind of give it 
to the Lord, and you basically, you know, just let God handle this in his way, in his time. One great psychologist defined forgiveness this way. He said, forgiveness is giving up my right, um, let me see here, forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. R.T. Kendall in his great book, Total Forgiveness, and I mentioned this book first service, um, and I'll, I'm going to get some copies of this book. If you're here this morning and, and you uh, feel like this is an area where God is kind of dealing with you in, and again, I am not going to get to everything that can or should be said on the subject of forgiveness, I would highly recommend this book. It's by R.T. Kendall, it's called Total Forgiveness, and it's just, it's a, it's a profound book. It really uh, gets you... Uh, Gives you a lot of steps, a lot of processes, a lot of understanding in that whole realm uh, of forgiveness. And one of the things that I love about R.T. Kendall's book, Total Forgiveness, is he really kind of takes this definition of forgiveness and he kind of just takes it to a whole new level. And one of the things he talks about in his book that total forgiveness, he says one of the things that total forgiveness means for him is he says where there's not just the absence of bitterness, uh, it's not just the releasing of that person or the releasing of those deeds that they have done wrong. But he said total forgiveness, he says, is when you can begin to have feelings of where, where you're wishing for the wellness of that person who wronged you or hurt you. Or, or you're able to pray and ask God, God, would you bless that person? Uh, to me, that just kind of takes forgiveness to a whole new level. Not am I just releasing them. Not am I just letting go of what they've done for me. But there's actually something in me that wishes wellness for them. There's something in me that desires God's blessing to be upon their life. And I'll pray for that. And he kind of just talks about it. He says, that is the place where there's just total, complete forgiveness. Forgiveness also kind of has what I would call two sides to it. Forgiveness has kind of the release side, and there's the side of forgiveness that repairs. Let's start with the release side of forgiveness. Again, to forgive, it simply means we're just going to kind of release someone from our desire to have them hurt, harmed, revenge, um, you know, payback, whatever you want to call it, uh, because of what they did to us. It's just letting go of those desires. Because again, the Bible talks about, you know, us taking up vengeance uh, against others. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So here Paul is telling us that we should leave vengeance or that, you know, uh, payback, if you will. We, we just need to leave that in God's hands. Because if we take up vengeance, if we're trying to pay others back, um, we're only going to increase the amount of pain and suffering, first and foremost for ourselves, and then potentially in the lives of other people. Forgiveness means, again, we, we, we release them. From our wrath, it means giving up our grudges that we may be carrying against other people. And again, we willingly choose to step out of the stream of vengeance and into the stream of mercy. I love that picture. Stepping out of the stream of vengeance, payback, uh, and into the stream of mercy. Forgiveness, uh, 
Forgetting the offense, again, is a part of this process. By forgetting, I don't mean trying to erase the memory from our minds. As a matter of fact, in in R.T. Kendall's book, Total Forgiveness, he kind of just talks about, again, we really can't fully um, forgive someone unless we come to terms with what they did to us, who did that to us, or we just need to own up to it. We need to be honest about what has happened um, here. So there is a different way. I'm I'm not saying that, you know, we forget in terms that we're going to have amnesia and and never, ever think about that person or that um, event again. But there is a different way uh, of forgetting. We can, again, choose to just release that memory. And by that I mean let it go. Allow it to shrink. Just kind of allow those memories to kind of just fade away. I've been real open, again, in in my relationship with my mom. We had a very, very tumultuous relationship, um, and and things did not go well uh, in growing up between my mother and I. And You know, there were times in in the midst of all of that, I was just constantly rehearsing and replaying everything my mother would say or do to me. And so when I finally came to that place of of being able to forgive her, one of the areas of, again, that forgetting for me was, was that you know, when I'm in the house in those moments, you're just thinking about it all the time. You're just, you're just playing it over and over. When I finally re- forgave my mom and just kind of released that, I, I, what I noticed is, is that those memories, I, I stopped thinking about them every day. And maybe, you know, like once a week, I would kind of think back on, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I forgot about that. You know, I wasn't thinking about that. And then, you know, it would kind of go to, you know, every month. And that, that's kind of the, that idea of forgetting. It's not amnesia. It's not that I don't ever remember those things. I just really have allowed it to kind of just shrink away. I've kind of allowed it to fade. Where now, I mean, the only time I ever really think about it is when I talk about it. You know, like I'm in here now. You know, I, and so that's kind of that whole idea. That's really what is meant by just that forgetting um, process. Again, um, we, we do have a choice. I mean, forgiveness is a choice. I mean, it, it, it's not a feeling. I mean, you're never ever going to probably feel when you're walking in bitterness and unforgiveness, if you're carrying a grudge, you're probably never going to feel that need to forgive. It is a choice, a deliberate choice we have got um, to make. Uh, we can, you know, you, again, you have the choice. You can continue to feed that grudge. You can continue to feed the bitterness, the unforgiveness by just constantly replaying, rehearsing what they did, what they said, or we can just move on, release it, let it go, let the person go, and move on and just invest our emotions in other ways. Now, a lot of you know maybe the American Red Cross was founded by a woman whose name was Clara Barton. And she was a woman who was just known for a very, very generous, a very, very forgiving spirit. And on one occasion, a very good friend of her had, had brought up an injustice that was uh, done to her uh, several years before. And in, in the course of the conversation, this woman was trying to hook Clara uh, into a conversation about this person and about what they had done. And the more she persisted, the more she talked about it, the more Clara kind of just, you know, kept changing the subject or just kind of ignored her. And finally exasperated, this friend said to Clara Barton, she said, don't you remember how much that person hurts you. Don't you remember the things that they did? And Clara Barton cheerfully responded, and she said to this woman, she said, no, 
I distinctly remember forgetting that. That's the kind of forgetting that really needs to take place in forgiveness. We, again, we move on. We release that person from our desire for revenge, from payback, from any kind of wrath. We release ourselves in that process. I mean, this is a two-way thing. You're releasing them. In releasing them, you're releasing yourself from dwelling on the memory of the harm that's been done to you. So that's the side uh, that releases. There's the side of forgiveness, again, that repairs relationships, okay? Forgiveness, it isn't just about getting over it and moving on. It's also about restoring relationships, if at all possible. Um, contrary to what we are sometimes, you know, maybe think or are told, forgiveness doesn't come out of a weak mind, okay? Forgiveness doesn't come from a mushy heart, okay? Forgiveness, it's smart, folks. Forgiveness, it's tough. We saw that in the testimony of the woman there in the video. She didn't just cut this woman completely out of her life like so many others had. Rather, she chooses to work through her emotions, the issues, as best she can. And then there's just kind of comes that moment where she just reaches out. She extends a hand of forgiveness. She shows compassion, and she tries to restore the relationship, even though it'll never be what it once was. That, that's that repair side of forgiveness. And just as God forgives people without approving of their sin, so also must we learn that forgiving people does not imply an endorsement of their evil deeds. Okay, forgiving someone doesn't mean you're gonna have to spend every vacation with them, okay? But it does mean, again, that there just comes a point where we release, we let go, we just send away that, that, that person and the memories that we're carrying that are, that are, you know, creating that unforgiveness and bitterness. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, the disciple Peter, he comes to Jesus, and he poses a question to Jesus regarding forgiveness, and the response uh, Jesus gives him, and the story that Jesus kind of followed up with uh, following that response really speak again to the importance of both uh, extending and receiving forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, it says, Peter came to Jesus, and he asked him this question. He said, Lord... How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, I want you to understand, when Peter asked Jesus this question, his question was really this. Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive a brother who sins against me before I can punch his lights out? That's really the question Peter is asking Jesus. Now, the reason Peter was specific about seven times is because that was kind of the going rate uh, in the days uh, of, of Jesus and Peter's time was three times. I mean, the Jewish law kind of stipulated that a wounded person was obligated to forgive someone three times. So I'm sure Peter, you know, magnanimous Peter, he's kind of sitting there thinking, okay, I'm obligated three times you know, okay, I'll double that and I'll just add one for good measure, seven. That sounds like a really good number. That's really going to make me look really good. It's really going to make me look, you know, magnanimous and, and Jesus is really going to be impressed with me, right? 
And so he kind of just poses that question to Jesus. Now, I want you to understand what, what Peter's real concern here is. I think it's a concern probably a lot of us share as we are working through issues of forgiveness. Peter was not worried about forgiving someone too little. Okay, Peter's concern was, I, I might forgive somebody too much. I, I don't want to do that. Okay, he was not worried about under-forgiving an offender. What Peter was really concerned about is, am I over-forgiving an offender? And I think, again, we all find ourselves in that same boat when it comes to forgiveness. Well, as usual, you know, Jesus gave Peter an answer that was not only, you know, surprising, but in that day and time, that was a stunning response that Jesus made to him. When Jesus said, no, Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And I want you to understand that when Jesus kind of gives Peter that 70 times seven, he was not saying, you know what, you know, get a, get a sheet of paper, kind of just begin to, you know, make a tally. You know what, Peter, when you get to 491, then you can punch his lights out. That's not what Jesus was saying. Peter wanted to say, you know, seven strikes and you're out. And Jesus was not even saying that, you know, 490 strikes and you're out. Again, what, what's happening here is Peter's trying to come up with a formula. He's trying to come up with a strategy for forgiveness. He's trying to come up with a guideline for forgiveness. He's trying to kind of come up with a protocol for forgiveness. Whereas Jesus' response isn't guidelines or standards or protocols. Jesus says, what I, what I want you to, to do is I want you to adopt a lifestyle of forgiveness. Peter's saying, what's, what's the absolute number? And Jesus is not giving him an absolute number. Jesus is really kind of giving him an approach to relationship, an approach to lifestyle. Peter's more interested in the rules of forgiveness. Jesus is really trying to bring Peter's heart back to, it's not about rules, it's about relationships. Jesus is more interested in the relationship of forgiveness. Listen, a lot of you know this. If you do something long enough, it becomes a habit. And, you know, a habit kind of almost becomes part of our lifestyle. And, and again, if you do something long enough, it'll become a habit, and a habit becomes a lifestyle. If you have to forgive a person 490 times, let me tell you what, when you get to about the 100th time, you're just going to stop keeping track because it's just going to start to flow so naturally from you. You'll no longer need to keep track. You'll no longer need to tally. Because once you kind of begin that lifestyle of forgiveness, it'll kind of just naturally, it'll just freely flow from you. So really what Jesus is basically saying to Peter is he's saying, look, Peter, for forgiveness to truly be forgiveness, there can be no limitations or guidelines. Then following Peter's question, Jesus' response, he goes on to tell this very, very interesting story, beginning in verse 23, and he says, therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who'd owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master, and he begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. And his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. 
But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, and he grabbed him by the throat, and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, and he said, be patient with me. I will pay it. Now, isn't it interesting that this fellow servant uses this almost identical language this man used with the king? But his creditor wouldn't wait He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man he had forgiven. He said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to be Uh, sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So Jesus tells a story about a man who just owed just an incredible, enormous sum of money. In fact, the amount they say there uh, in in, uh, other translations is 10,000 talents. Now, back in Jesus' day, just to kind of give you an idea of how much that was, the the entire tax on Galilee in Jesus' day for one year was 200 talents. So this man owed the equivalent of 50 years of taxes on the entire region of Galilee. Now, to put it another way, the average working man of that time would have to work 20 years in order to earn one talent. So this man would have had to work 500 years to have paid back all the money that he had borrowed, and that's not even including the interest. In today's currency, this would probably be equivalent to probably $10 million dollars. Now, again, the point Jesus is making here is that this was an unpayable debt. There was no way this man was ever going to pay this back in, in, you know, 10 lifetimes. I mean, 500 lifetimes. This was an unpayable debt. There was absolutely no way he was ever going to pay back what he borrowed. Now, again, to fully understand and appreciate the parable, you got to realize uh, that this is kind of a, a two-pronged approach Jesus is using here because the, 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 the debt in this scripture really kind of represents sin. And sin, we've talked about this, it, it is an unpayable debt. And folks, no matter how long, how hard you work, or how good you try to be, or how often you attend church, On your own, apart from God's grace and mercy, we could never pay off the sin debt that you and I owe to God. So so the king takes what this man had borrowed, and he just completely forgives the loan. I mean, he just completely wipes the slate clean. So Jesus is giving us here just, again, a very, very clear picture of a man who had a debt who he could never, ever repay, And the king forgives the debt, wipes the slate clean, and the man walks away totally free. Do you realize that is exactly what Jesus Christ did on the cross? You and I, we owed a sin debt we could never, ever come close to paying. And Jesus paid our sin debt through his death upon the cross, and we walked away With the slate of our lives completely wiped clean, we are completely 
forgiven. We have been freed from the penalty, the guilt, and the shame of that sin debt. So as the story kind of continues, this forgiven, this debt-free man goes out and he finds a fellow man, a fellow servant who owes him some money. And rather than reciprocating with forgiveness that he had just experienced, I don't know if it was that day, if it was the next day, a week from then, but you get the idea that it was shortly after this debt of his had been forgiven, he goes out and he finds a fellow servant who owes him some money, and he ruthlessly demands full payment on the spot. In fact, this man already had a plan for punishment in the event this man could not repay him. Now again, the incredible thing is the man only owed him a hundred denarii. And in today's money, that was probably maybe about a thousand dollars. To put it mildly, this man only owed a bare fraction of what the other man owed to the king. And what's even more bizarre, he demands that his debtor be put in jail until he can repay the debt. So you find not only is this man ungrateful, he's also unreasonable. And that's what unforgiveness has the potential to do. It has the potential to make us ungrateful and unreasonable. How can he expect the man to earn money while he's in prison? I mean, if he has no money while he's out of jail, how is he going to make money while he's in jail? Again, the decision, it makes no sense. And that's really the point of Jesus' story. Bitterness and unforgiveness usually consist of unreasonable demands. This man failed to learn in his experience with the king that forgiveness experienced should become forgiveness expressed. And again, don't, don't miss the larger point Jesus is trying to make here. When you compare our sin debt to God to someone else's sin debt to us, it's like comparing a mountain to a molehill. Do you know that one of the most effective ways God has for keeping you and I conscious or aware of forgiveness and the forgiveness that we have received from him is our relationship with other believers? You see, when somebody else sins against you and you have to forgive them, that is just a reminder. God's using that moment, that opportunity to remind you of how he has also forgiven you. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Every time I express or I give forgiveness to someone, it is a reminder of the sins that I have been forgiven of by God. And we need to remember one of the keys to forgiving others is quit focusing on what others have done to you and focus on what God has done for you. Notice what happens to the unforgiver in this story. It says there that the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. 
So when the king hears about this ungrateful, unreasonable, the, the hatefulness of this man, he immediately throws him back in prison, and the man is completely back in debt. You know why the parable turns this way? Unforgiving servants always end up in prison. Bitter people, unforgiving people live in prisons of anger, of guilt, of depression, of sickness and disease. The only difference is God doesn't have to put us in a jail. We put ourselves in jail. Through our bitterness, our unforgiveness, we build our own prisons. The Bible says in Job 21, it says some men stay healthy until the day they die. Others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. Don't miss the fact that though this man was thrown back into prison, it was his own fault. He had a choice in how he dealt with that fellow servant. There's some people that are going to listen to a message like this. And what you need to know is you have built your prisons with your own bitterness. If you forget the forgiveness that you've received and you refuse to forgive others who have hurt you, God will allow you. Again, God doesn't cause any of this, but God will allow you to endure tortures. You know, again, such as stress, hardship, troubled conscience, bitter spirits, poor health, until you finally release that sin of unforgiveness. That's why the book of James 2.13 says, judgment will be merciless to the one who shows no mercy. Carl Menninger, the famous psychiatrist who wrote the bestseller, Whatever Happened to Sin, he said if someone could convince the patients in his psychiatric hospital that their sins are forgiven, he said 75% of them would walk out the next day. When we choose to forgive, and again, it is a choice, The one released is not the one to whom we have forgiven. It is the one who forgives that is released. Now, again, it's important to remember in this parable that Jesus told that um, the forgiveness that this man um, did not show toward his fellow servant, um, he, he wasn't open to the idea of it. I mean, apparently he wasn't even really aware fully what the king had done for him and then his obligation to go out and, and to, to pay it forward or to do likewise. He had kind of closed off his heart to this option with this fellow man. And there's just a lot of cases where I know maybe some of you are sitting here this morning and, and you're thinking about, you know, issues or, or people uh, periods in your life where, where people have wronged you. There's been a, a, a deep offense or maybe someone has betrayed you or a hurt, can, can, uh, a hurt has uh, occurred. I want you to know, process can be a, uh, forgiveness can be a process. I remember that with my mom so distinctly. It was definitely a process with my mom. I'll never ever forget the, the, the first time that my mom uh, tried to apologize and, and ask for my forgiveness. I, I wasn't ready to go there with her. I had forgiven her, but I just, wasn't, I just wasn't emotionally, I just was not spiritually prepared for that. And, and I just kind of stopped it. Um, eventually, that conversation happened, but, but for me, it was just a process. I mean, I, I had to become ready uh, to, to, to hear. I had to be uh, ready to, to 
process that with her. And, and, and I, just, I just wasn't. So it can be a process. And so there may be some of you here this morning who want to forgive someone. You're just having a hard time maybe letting go. So I'm just going to give you just a few uh, points here, and, and then we're, we're just going to go close. First of all, admit that you've been hurt and are hurting. Because we said, you know, part of that, that process is, again, sometimes you just got to identify, here's what the person did to me. Here's the person who did it. Be honest about that. That, that's part of the process. Um, again, if you just kind of, you know, try to act like nothing happened, that everything is, is hunky-dory, you're not going to get very, very far in the process of forgiveness. And so often we'll short-circuit that process of forgiveness by saying things like, never mind, let's not talk about it anymore. Or we'll say, it really didn't bother me. Uh, or we'll say, you know, that's, let's just act as though it never happened. Again, that, that is denial, and you're not going to get very, very far in the process of forgiveness. I think we honestly avoid um, discussions like that because, again, we're kind of afraid of our anger. And, and I think that's what it was with my mom. I was, I was afraid of what were going to be the emotions that were going to come forth as we had that conversation. I just was not ready for that. Um, so sometimes we want to avoid that because we want to avoid those emotions of you know, maybe uh, uh, hurt or, or anger. Uh, or We just don't want to get out of control. We're afraid we might say things later that we'll regret. But again, anger is normal. And and I will tell you that even sometimes anger is, is healthy uh, when you learn to use anger in the right way. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.26, be angry, but just don't sin with it. So again, in other words, anger is okay as long as it doesn't cause us to sin. There's a right way to use anger, a wrong way to use anger. Okay, one wrong way to use anger is to use it to demean or to, to damage another person. That's wrong. A right way to use anger is to, you know, get it hurts, get at the wrongs uh, so that a relationship can be healed. Some of you may know the name of uh, Charlie and Martha Shedd. They wrote some books on love and marriage. And in one of them, Charlie tells about the time he had done something that really had upset his wife, Martha. And he came home one day and found this short note to him from his wife, and it said, Dear Charlie, I hate you. Love, Martha. Folks, that's how anger is really meant to work. We're honest about our anger, but we hold, we're committed to love. Be angry, but sin not. That's a necessary step as we move forward toward being able um, to forgive. I'm going to just, again, I'm going to... This week, I want to order some of those books um, by R.T. Kendall on, on total forgiveness because he's just got some just incredible insights in there, and, and he's just got whole processes uh, that he recommends um, that go into great detail uh, in, in really working through um, uh, unforgiveness. And so we're going to try to make those, uh, get those out there next week and get those available. So if you'd like to maybe pick one of those up. So I'm going to invite the worship team back up onto the platform. And let's just stand this morning. I know you've maybe been sitting a while. I'm just going to pray for you this morning. And, and really what I want to pray for is just, you know, God sees our hearts. God, God knows everything that's going on inside of our, our thoughts, our emotions. You know, we do a good job sometimes of hiding that, you know, nobody else sees, nobody else knows. But there's one person who always knows uh, what's going on in our hearts and in our spirits, and, and that is God. And, and again, I, I just want you to uh, just 
feel free to just be honest um, with God uh, because he already knows. And so there may be some of you this morning that you're just kind of here and maybe you're uh, at the very beginning stages of, of that process of forgiveness. Some of you may be kind of midstream in that. And what I want to do is just pray for you this morning that if there are those of you this morning that, that really just need to release, just really need to let go of, of uh, someone, if you just really need to let go of some uh, events, that you'll just find the freedom, that you'll just, again, make that choice this morning. It is a choice. Um, don't wait for a feeling. Uh, oftentimes, you just got to make the choice to do what is right, and then that feeling um, will follow. And so I just want to just uh, ask you this morning, if there's somebody that maybe you just need to release, just being honest about that with God this morning. And just saying, yes, God, there is this person, there is this event, and, and it's bothering me. And God, I want to I be able to let go, and I just want to be able to release that, to release that person. Um, and, and God, you deal with them. You take it from here this morning. Um, so I'm just going to just pray for you this morning. If you're that person, that the Holy Spirit is just going to um, begin to kind of uh, move. I talked about pictures. Oftentimes uh, when I need to do something, God will kind of give me a picture, you know, because picture paints a thousand words, you know, so God can give me a picture in my mind of what he's wanting me to do, and I, I know exactly what I need to do. And so I'm just going to pray uh, even for a picture. It was interesting. I used that analogy this morning. And as I was praying, as I was closing this out at first service and praying, I kind of felt uh, Jim Hermanson had a word for the congregation. And so I'm up here, and I've, I've got my eyes closed. I'm praying, and I'm, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit impress on me that, John, that Jim has a word for the congregation. So I'm kind of, I, I get done, and I look up, and Jim is gone. Like, Jim's never gone. I mean, Jim is never gone from that spot. That is Jim's chair. Uh, you don't believe me, try sitting in there some Sunday morning first service. <laughs> So he is gone, and I'm like thinking, okay, so I walk off the platform. All of a sudden, I hear Jim talking in the microphone. I look back. He was already up here standing next to Jason ready to give the word, and, and his word was basically open doors, that God had given him a picture that, that open doors. There, there's an open door here for you into the presence of God this morning. There's an open door for you just to come in to God's presence this morning. No matter how much unforgiveness or bitterness you may be feeling right now, there's an open door. God wants you to come into his presence and just release that. And he's going to just give healing to your hearts this morning. God's just going to give freedom to your spirit this morning as you just let go of that. So I'm just going to pray for you this morning. If, if, if no other picture that God gives you this morning, that God just gives you that open door where God just says, come to me and, and I will heal your broken heart. Father, we just thank you for that vision. We thank you for that picture, that promise that God, you want to heal the brokenhearted. And God, now I know there are people here this morning whose hearts have been broken, whether it be by family, by friends, by pastors, by church people, doesn't matter. We just thank you, God, that there is this morning an open door into your presence. And God, as we come in this morning, even if we're coming in just filled this morning with unforgiveness, bitterness, rage, and anger, that that door is still open. And that God, as we just choose to step in to your presence, and God, as we choose to just simply say, here I am, bitterness, anger, rage, all of it, but God, I'm ready I want to release it. I want you to take it from me. 
So God, I just pray for those this morning that just need to step through that door, that open door, that welcoming door this morning into your presence, Father, that they're going to find healing for their hearts. They're going to find comfort. They're going to find a word of encouragement. They're going to find peace that passes all understanding. And Father, I also just pray, Lord, if there's other pictures that you're wanting to just impress upon hearts and minds this morning, Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit would just begin to speak in that way to people. If there's something that they need to do, if there's someone that they need to reach out to, to forgive, to let go of, Father, I just pray that you'd bring maybe that person or to bring that situation to mind. And then, God, just give them instruction, God, of what you want them to do to let go of that. Father, again, we just thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you for your forgiveness. And it's out of your forgiveness of us, God, that we're able to forgive others. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.